You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? You are back here on the Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dubengeiser, joined as always by my gay, my guy Caleb. Now, Caleb, you got to be pretty fired up after watching that Chiefs win, and not just because the Chiefs won, but because of how they did it. Well. Um, last week and the last couple of weeks, we've really seen the Chiefs struggle to run the ball, and teams know that. So they know the Chiefs are an aggressive downfield passing team. So all the last few weeks from the Patriots and the Raiders, all we've seen is dropping deep coverages, dropping seven to eight guys, keeping linebackers way off the ball. The Bills tried to copy that formula, but I think that Andy Reid had had enough. I think that Eric Bieniemy had enough. The Chiefs' offensive line had had enough, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had certainly most had enough. That front unit of the Chiefs, the ground attack, and even the blocking from Travis Kelsey, those guys were absolutely dominant last night in this big win over Buffalo. They certainly were, and that's I'm going to start right there with the offensive line because you, we went into this game and – like you said, we kind of knew that all these teams are just dropping everyone in coverage and playing deep, and, and the Chiefs had to be able to run the ball efficiently. Well, something that was noticeable right away, obviously, was that Dan Kilgore was in at starting center for Austin Ryder. Now, Andy Reid came out afterwards and said that um, Ryder had been battling a knee injury and that this was a good chance for him to get healthy, but Uh, That smells pretty fishy to me because he hasn't been on the injury report. He hasn't missed any time in practice. I don't know if I I don't know if it was just Ryder wasn't getting it done in the rush game in the run game, and they just wanted to try to make that move. Now I think that that's what Kilgore's strength is. He's he's a strong uh, offensive lineman. That his strength is in the run game where he is not probably as great as Ryder is in the pass game. But do you think that it was an actual injury or do you think that it was more they need they knew that they were going to need to get this run game going a little bit? You know, I'll never speculate on whether a player is injured or not. I do recall in the first couple of weeks of the season, first week one, I saw Ryder's name on the injury report, but we haven't really seen that since then. And I know it's been interesting because Dan Kilgore has been on the roster. They picked him up just prior, I think just into the start of training camp. They picked him up, and I did a review on his film. And, you know, he's a smaller center, kind of like Ryder. He's only about six foot three. He's less than 300 pounds. Very good athlete. He's very good at working up to the second level. So maybe Andy Reid thought that that could be a chance to get Ryder healthy. But maybe he also thought it could be a chance to let Kilgore get his feet underneath him because this is the first time we've seen him play since he's been a chief, and he really didn't look bad outside of him and Mahomes with the miscommunication on the bad snap. I thought he really played a strong game, you know, and when he had to pass protect, the pocket looked solid. But where he's better at than Ryder is I think he's a much better better lateral movement. As far as moving guys off the ball, I think they're about the same strength-wise But Kilgore is really smooth and agile when going up to the second level. And for a lot of the Chiefs' zone blocks, a lot of the time where they get into trouble is, 
you know, Ryder or one of the guards not being able to come off. I thought he was able to do – I thought Kilgore was able to do a good job of that last night, and he really did a good job at setting up blocks at the second level and letting Clyde work further and further into the Buffalo secondary. Yeah, they were moving dudes last night, and they were getting to that second level, um, it seemed like, with ease. And one of the stats that I saw was that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ran into a light box on, it was like 18 of his 26 carries, which is, you know, in light boxes, six people are less inside the box. But then, you know, like we had preached all year, and the reason that the Chiefs drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is you can't tackle him one-on-one. He's the second in the NFL right now with 346 yards after contact. He, he makes dudes miss. I mean, this is what they did. They, you know, this is the X factor. If you're going to drop everyone in coverage and they can run efficiently, now you really have to pick your poison, and that puts teams in a real bind. Um, and then also along the offensive line, we saw Mitchell Schwartz go out with a back injury, which is never good. He popped up on the injury report later in the week and tried to give it a go, and the back injury was just too much with obviously, you know, being, being an offensive lineman. Uh, back injury is never going to be good. Um, and that's something that wouldn't be surprised me if it's been ailing him all year and he's been trying to gut it out and tough it out. Um, and, and now it's just, it was, it just got to the point where it's too much. So they actually had to put Nick Allegretti in and then they bumped Mike Remmers out to offensive tackle. And I'll tell you what, even the broadcast was given Allegretti load, but he's another guy. He He's just a mauler and he was out there just mauling people. First off, back to Mitchell Schwartz real quick. To all the Chiefs fans or people that said things like, oh, look, Schwartz came out in the line, immediately got better. Number one, you guys are all stupid. Number two, I would take a look at the Chiefs game plan this week versus other weeks. And also, the Bills' offensive line in front seven is absolutely the worst I think the Chiefs have seen since they played the Texans. So there's also that, because when you have an all-pro like Mitch Schwartz, it's never good for him to go out. I thought Rimmers did a good job at stepping in, but back to Allegretti, this game plan was designed for a player like him. The Chiefs ran a lot of inside zone, and that's kind of good for a guy like Allegretti who got into one-on-one matchups because he's a fist fight in the phone booth kind of guy. Um, He really wanted to get in there and just maul people up. You know, he got called for holding on the uh, Clyde touchdown run that got called back. I don't know if that was a very questionable call. Might have got him because he yanked him down at the end. So that could be where that was from. But it looked like he really did a good job of just finishing his block. He finished blocks all night. He was playing nasty. He was playing physical. This is the first time we've gotten to see him in real game reps. And, you know, I said it a few times last year. They have this young, uh, I believe he's, what, a seventh-round draft pick. They had him in there. They had him in on PAT, and they even had him in on some overload sets in the playoffs late in the season. So obviously Andy Reid had trust in him. They wanted to keep him around for situations like this, and he finally got his number called last night, and he came in and did a good job. He still has a few things to clean up. I think his pass pro could be a little bit cleaner, but you like to see him in the run game just getting that movement off the ball, and him and Kilgore – And even him and Fisher had several instances where they were in combination with other players, where they were in combination on defensive tackles. They were driving their guys five yards down the field. And the Bills, their linebackers were so deep, just so deep on those plays that they were blocking them into them. And it was making it hard for them 
be able to get those reads since they're nine yards off the ball. That really opened up the lanes for Clyde and everyone else in the running game. They certainly were open all over the place, and it was great to see. And the other thing that's interesting is that, um, you know, everybody kind of talks about Mahomes, and you kind of touched on it with the coaching staff, but Mahomes is so selfless. It's, you know, you heard the interview in the presser after the game, and he said, he's like, yeah, of course I want to be able to throw a deep every play and what quarterback doesn't, but he also said, I want to do whatever it takes to win. The guy just wants to win football games, and he he was so efficient last night. He was only had five incompletions with one drop from McCole Hardman, you know, and in the rain and stuff, it didn't even phase him. Um, just an efficient game. He took on the underneath stuff that was – that they were giving to him. Oh, and there was actually two drops because, you know, and Ricky Seals-Jones, nice debut. He also dropped one, so that was great to see. Not, but so two drops, five incompletions, and just taking whatever the defense was giving him. Huge, efficient drives, you know, putting like 12 play-plus drives together with the underneath stuff. And then when they called his number and it was time for him to convert, third and 12 pickup with a big completion to Byron Pringle on a scramble, and then another third down run for a first down to keep that drive alive, to kick that field goal at the end. That really kind of made it two possession game and kind of sealed the deal there for the, for the chiefs. When it was something that they're they're they obviously knew the game plan wise was, you know what, if the bills are going to give us this underneath stuff in this run game, we're just going to take it. I think that that's really something that they're going to have to do moving forward. They're going to be up to going to have to be able to adjust on the fly and really see what defenses are going to do to them because I don't think so far in this first six weeks they've seen one defense that is really similar to the next. I mean, I guess in the last few weeks you've seen a lot of teams just trying to keep everything in front of them with with the Patriots and the, and the Raiders and now and now the Bills. But if if they're going to be able to run the ball like this, teams are not going to be able to just sit sit in that deep coverage that that they've been doing. Now, obviously you touched on how bad the Bills have been um up front in their front seven and kind of getting gashed by everybody um in the run game wise. Do you think that it's something that, you know, this is where they have the Broncos coming up, um, and I think the Jets after that, that, you know, you keep this offensive line in this unit and obviously once Mitchell Schwartz comes back, he's going to be the starter at right tackle. But do you think that Al Gretti and Kilgore might be, you know, a stay if they, if they continue to get reps against the Broncos and the Jets the next couple weeks, you keep them in there and see how far you can roll with these guys. Well, here's the funny thing. We were talking about this a while ago. The hardest part of the Chiefs' schedule is over after that game versus the Raiders. We thought that it would be over after the Patriots game, but that's still okay. Um, they played all these playoff teams now. Now they're kind of getting into the part of their schedule where I think they're going to really just try to beat up on people. And these next few weeks versus the Broncos and the Jets, these could very well be audition weeks for guys like Kilgore and Allegretti and even Mike Rimmers, where I think all three of those guys could be competing for interior spots. You know, we want to hope that Schwartz comes back eventually, because, you know, obviously he is the starter. He is an all-pro right tackle. Rimmers had a few reps on the outside where he got beat, so they had to bring over We're having a little, little bit of technical help difficulties right now on, on Caleb, that side as Caleb far as some ships with backs. Caleb, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, you cut out for a little bit there. Keep going. Okay. Well, like I was saying, there was a few times Rimmers got beat on the outside, so it's not ideal having him out there. But he's going to be in a competition once Schwartz does come back. I think with Allegretti 
for that guard spot that is void because of Kilgore and also, uh, or not because of Kilgore, because of Osimile. But uh, Kilgore is obviously, I think they're probably give him another start in the next few weeks, and they're going to feel it out and kind of let him. And this is something we've seen Andy Reid do in the past. I don't know how many of you remember back to his first season in Kansas City, but they played musical chairs on the offensive line that season also. And uh, Jeff Schwartz, Mitch Schwartz's brother, actually came in in like week nine and played so well he started the rest of the way out. We've seen them do it before with Zach Fulton and LDT in the past. We've seen them do it last year with Wisniewski coming in and all that stuff. So Andy Reid is definitely someone who's not afraid to mix up his front five you know, I've, we've talked about it a lot in this show. He's going to play the best five available. So we'll see what Schwartz's injury status is for today. Obviously, the short week's not going to help anything. I'm excited to see how much more Allegretti can improve. And you know what? Dan Kilgore, he's a 10-year veteran. But if he comes in here and plays tough like that, gets up and keeps hustling, finishing his blocks, and if he continues to play consistently well in the passing game, I think he might have a good shot to uh, play out the rest of the season over Ryder. I think he definitely could too. And I think that, like you said, they're not afraid to find the best guys that are, are there for the job. So, um, and then the other one that we've kind of been talking about all, all season that we're kind of been waiting to see is Martinez Rankin. And we actually finally just got an update on that um, this past week with, um, I think it was Herbie, I think it was Herbie Tope that, and I'm, if I'm mispronouncing that name, I apologize, but he's um, back with the Chiefs after being with the Saints, but he's a reporter for them, and he said he asked specifically about um, Rankin, and Reed's response was that he has done a good job working back to get where he is, but he's just not quite there yet, which makes sense. Um, the injury that he has usually takes a full year, and I believe that he was actually injured here towards the middle of November, so or I think it was November 15th, if I remember correctly, of what I was looking up there. Um, but, you know, and he's somebody that could come back, and again, if all these guys guys are playing well that's only a good thing because you can never have enough depth on the offensive line and I don't think <laughs> that um if you're talking to anybody in the Chiefs organization right now they they wouldn't emphasize that even more with the season that they've had so far you know with LDT and Nyang opting out at the beginning of the year and then Assembly getting hurt and now Mitchell Schwartz going down um depth along the offensive line is one of the most crucial aspects because obviously you got to keep keep number 15 clean and then you also got to be able to to run the ball a little bit there which they're starting to get done now um and i thought it was interesting too in looking kind of past this week i'm going to be interested to see what they do as far as the roster is concerned you know how long is sammy watkins going to be out all right so they didn't activate another wide receiver and then they also have they had four tight ends active so we had just we had mentioned earlier ricky seal jones it was active for the first time and had a snap and a dropped pass, so that wasn't good. But then they also have um, DeAndre Washington, who they brought up but wasn't active again. And then you saw Darwin Thompson get you know a couple carries last night. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of where they go with this roster construction on the offensive side because I can't imagine that they're going to um, keep – four tight ends active at this time and then keep those four backs up without potentially making a, a move at the wide receiver position, just knowing 
that um, obviously Sammy's going to come back, but hamstring injuries can certainly linger, and you don't want to rush him back, I don't think, at this point. No, and I agree with that. Um, they're going to have some very interesting decisions to make. As far as the roster makeup, I'd really like to see Rankin come back and be healthy because, to be honest with you, I know we're talking about these guys performing, but I think that Rankin was honestly, last season was the Chiefs' strongest interior player before his injury. He looked good. We'd clearly like to see Kaleche Osimile back. That's highly unlikely. And uh, Sammy Watkins, you know, we've seen some injury trouble from him in the past, so there's really no telling how long he could be out. What I'm curious to see is when uh, Le'Veon Bell becomes active on the roster, who maybe goes away or who maybe we don't see from for a while, who might get sent to the practice squad and what the corresponding moves will be off of that. I did notice last night that BNME did give Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson their fair share of reps. Now, for Williams, that might have been just to get him going or to take away the notion that when he comes in, he's only in there to pass block to keep teams honest. And to be honest with you, when I saw Thompson in there running the ball, I kind of thought that might have been Biennemi throwing one of his own guys in his unit, a one of his running backs, guy that he's worked very close with, obviously, throwing him a bone and maybe letting him put some film out there so if they do have to maybe release him or send him to a practice squad, he'll be have a chance to get picked up somewhere. Because, you know, Darwin Thompson is still a young running back. There, Even if he gets cut from the Chiefs, there's probably some team out there that would probably like to have him on, whether it be a role on special teams or as a backup running back. So I thought that's kind of what that was. But I'm really curious to see how the team approaches having Le'Veon Bell in the lineup this week versus Denver. Yeah, they're going to, they're going to, I think, incorporate him pretty seamlessly. Um, he's obviously a solid player. I don't know. You know, obviously the question is, is was his production a result of being under Adam Gase? Now, probably because Gase is the worst head coach in football right now. And I'm shocked he still has a job, but he Bell is somebody that I think that, you know, if he's a guy that's stepping in just to take a portion of the workload for CEH or, you know, he's going to take some of those Daryl Williams third down reps. I don't I don't think that there is any reason for him not to see him play quite a few snaps against the Broncos here uh, this coming week. He obviously was very active on Twitter last night and and getting all hyped for for the Chiefs and, and being there. So he seems to be bought in now. Obviously, that could change if he's not seeing the field as much as he wants. But, you know, really, really, who knows? I, I think that at this point in his career, he kind of he sees it. He's getting paid by the Jets. He's going to make a little money from the Chiefs. You got a one year deal to prove your worth and then hopefully, you know, get another big contract out there with somebody else. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. But I think that he could end up being a great fit, especially if it's in that third down back type situation. Um, and, and just to spell out, obviously every game, you're not going to have 46 rushes like the Chiefs did last night. So they did need to give Darwin and they did need to give uh, Daryl some some carries just to, to not absolutely run CEH into the ground. But um, it will be it will be nice to have Bell there along with it to to spell those guys and like you said it's going to be they're going to have some tough decisions coming up for sure I mean with this roster construction because you can't keep everybody active now I think the obvious answer is you know RSJ is going to be going to be gone pretty quickly but no, we will see and that could have been a product product too of Anthony Sherman not being active you saw in some of those uh, you know where 
he would normally be a fullback. They actually had Travis Kelsey back there as the fullback blocking. So um, they obviously thought maybe just with if they're going to use Kelsey as a fullback situation, you might need to spell him a few plays. And you got RSJ there to, to be able to do that in certain spots if they're going too tight end or, or whatnot. So um, that'll be certainly interesting to see. And then if you look on the other side of the ball, the Chiefs absolutely dominated on the defensive side of the ball. And I think if it wasn't for the penalties, this score would have been even worse, where a lot of the penalties that happened directly resulted in points for the Bills. Uh, Josh Allen did not look good. Um, you know, he wasn't great against the Titans, and he was even worse against the Chiefs. And it's now you look at the Chiefs, what they've done to two of the quarterbacks that have been the most productive in the NFL thus far, um, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. They basically completely shot shut them down. Uh, they limited Josh Allen to 14 of 27 for 122 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. But that being said, at one point, Allen was 9 of 21 with 66 yards going into the fourth quarter, and then they had the drive where the Chiefs were playing soft coverage um, and, and let him go 5 for 5 and, and score that touchdown. But it was a complete dominant performance by, by the Chiefs' defense. Um, unfortunately, they did walk away with another injury. Alex Okafor got banged up uh, again with the hamstring. Again, those those hammies, man, they just they can linger around. So we'll have to see how he's doing. Obviously, Mike Dana is already on the IR list with his hamstring issues. So they're going to need um, to get healthy along the front here. But I thought the front played great. Uh, they got pressure in Allen's face. They forced some bad throws. And obviously, on the back end, they played pretty well. Um, so dominant performance by the Chiefs' defense last night. Huh. And you know what was funny about that is at one point, I think the Bills had more yards gained off of Chiefs penalties than they did off their own. But Spags, after a week against the Raiders where they struggled, he came out and those guys were locked in. Buffalo likes to throw the ball a lot on first down. Buffalo's like to throw the ball a lot in general this year. The Chiefs were mixing up their coverages, mixing up their blitzes on the very first play of the game. Allen was looking to uh, Stephon Diggs for just a little check down. And the Chiefs actually, of all people, they they dropped Derek Dottie back into coverage. And he ran perfectly right to where Diggs was going to be somewhat to get his hands up in the passing lane. So Allen had to go somewhere else off balance. He didn't look comfortable in the pocket. I thought that, number one, the Chiefs didn't get a sack last night, but Chris Jones dominated in there. He was getting pressure on them all day. He really did a good job. Um, Frank Clark came in and got the one batted down pass, so I thought the front did a good job. The secondary obviously did a good job with Sorensen with his interception. Thornhill with two big pass breakups last night to break up the long ball. And really all the Bills could do last night was wait to get bailed out by the referees on some questionable calls of those natures. But then also I thought that – uh. One of the big things last night was the Chiefs made Josh Allen play like 2019 and 2018 Josh Allen. And what do I mean by that is the this season they've wanted to come out and throw the ball early and keep teams off balance. Last night there were times when the Bills had to revert to running the ball and lining up and doing what they did last year and like almost trying to win a slugfest. Well, their defense is anywhere close to where as good as it's been the last two seasons. So they just aren't able to do that. But they essentially turned Josh Allen, who people have been talking about to be the MVP thus far. Last night, they essentially turned him into what we saw Lamar Jackson get turned into when the Chiefs played them, is they basically took away anything he could do passing. 
and they pretty much just left it up to his legs. And, you know, if you're going to leave your up to your quarterback trying to run the ball, then I think the Chiefs are going to always have a better shot to win, especially with who we have at quarterback. It was an all-around great performance. Um, I think I think Charvarius Ward is struggling a little bit with that hand injury. I think it's really not letting him. He's kind of made his bread and butter the last few years being a physical player, and I think that it's kind of limiting him, so hopefully he can keep getting back. I thought that Breland is still looking good, even though he's fresh. But Juan Thornhill, I thought, probably played the best game of anyone in the secondary on some of those giant pass breakups that he had. I was absolutely shocked when I looked at the the box score this morning and saw that the Chiefs had absolutely no sacks because it felt like they were pressuring Allen just consistently the entire night. So you would have thought they would have fallen into into at least one of them or something. But yeah, that, I was shocked that they didn't get any. Um, in the in the secondary, I think that you're right. The Juan Thornhill thing, he's starting to get that explosiveness back where we saw last year from him where he's just he's an athletic freak. The guy, every time he just goes to make a play on the ball. It looks like he shot out of a cannon. You know, he had the one play um, where Allen stepped up and threw it over the middle into the end zone, and he made the play on Diggs in the end zone where him and Sorensen were kind of sandwiching them. But, I mean, Sorensen was beat. He, he got caught flat-footed, and Diggs ran by him, and Thornhill came from the opposite side to be able to make a play on the ball. And he's just so explosive and so athletic, and and that's why you, you have him on the back end there to, to be able to make those plays and kind of make up for any uh, mistakes that you might see there. But yeah, I think that the game plan was pretty obvious for the Chiefs, and that was, you know, try to force Allen to make throws, and he wasn't able to do that. And you could kind of see the Bills' game plan shift. They came out on that first drive, and it was three straight passes, and it was three straight incompletions. And then they came out the next few drives, and they were running Allen much more than they had the entire probably earlier in the season. You know, he had eight carries this game where he had hadn't had any more than four in the past four games. So. Um, they definitely, definitely thought that they had an advantage there running the ball, but at the end of the day, you got to be able to make throws in this league if you're going to play quarterback, um, especially against good teams, especially against playoff teams. Um, and that's who the Bills have faced the last two weeks, on, two weekends, and in, in the Titans and the Chiefs. And you just see the difference. You know, Mahomes is there just taking what the defense gives you, and and Allen is is not able to do that quite yet. So. It'll be interesting to see moving forward where they are because it's something that the Chiefs could 100% match up with these guys again in the playoffs at some point. Um, you know, obviously the Bills are four and two. They're in the in head in the AFC East, and it doesn't look like you know the Patriots just took a bad loss to the Broncos, and the Jets are the worst team maybe in the history of the NFL. And the Dolphins actually just named Tua their starting quarterback, so I don't think that they're thinking they're they're going to get there. So they really don't have too much competition. It doesn't seem right now in the AFC East. So they could 100% meet these guys again down the road, which will be interesting to see what the game plan is um, by both sides really, and. Uh, on that moving forward um you know other other things defensively that kind of noticed is that Willie Gay didn't get too much run I think that they were in a lot of nickel and dime packages so and it's kind of stayed true to form so far as if they're in that it's Hitchens and it's Damian Wilson out there for linebackers or if they come in it's it's Ben Neiman in long passing situations now at the again end of the game they did use Willie Gay in there as, as a spy a little bit which I would like to see more. Do you think that it's something that they're just kind of waiting to make sure that he's coming along slowly and he's picking everything up and then we're going to see him more and more down the stretch? Because I kind of feel like that's what it seems like they're trying to do with him. Yeah, and I absolutely agree. You know, 
this week's game plan was a lot different than the Chiefs game plan last week. I don't think last week the Chiefs expected the offensive barrage from the Raiders. So they wanted to have him in there to be able to stop the run and stop Josh Jacobs. This week they know the Bills' tendencies are they like to pass the ball on early downs. And, you know, sometimes they'll run the ball in short yardage. Not really a week for them. So maybe now that Willie has gotten the aspect of the game figured out playing in the box, now he'll probably need a little bit more refined work as far as his play and pass coverage goes to get him figured out there. And, you know, it's like you said, they're bringing him along slowly. On the one tackle he did make last night, he came flying in out of practically nowhere from the middle of the field to run down Allen. And it was, I was rewatching the game yesterday evening. And it was one of those plays where I just said, wow. Cause he, he does that when he's on the field, he's such an athlete when he's on the field, you can see just that quick burst. And it's just unlike a lot of the things I think I've seen. And I think a lot of people have seen. So as long as he's got that athletic ability, he's always going to have a chance to play. He's always going to have a chance to compete. It's just the mental processing is going to have to come along. And right now, it's A-OK if it's coming along slow and steady. You know, um, later on, we're going to play some teams like Tampa Bay who like to throw the ball. We're going to play some teams like New Orleans that like to throw the ball. If he can get it figured out, the coverage by then, I think he could be a very valuable weapon to have in those games especially when we get into playing teams that are going to realize our secondary is hard to throw against, so they're going to have to check it down to their running back. I think he could be that guy that could eventually be our pass-covering linebacker that goes sideline to sideline, like the vision that I think that Spagnola has for them. So Willie did not get a ton of reps, did not play a ton. It's okay. Um, winning always makes all of that better, and winning also buys him more time to continue to develop. Absolutely. And I think he will continue to develop. And I think that they do have a pretty clear vision and plan for him. You know, and I was watching the 49ers game on Sunday night and I was watching Fred Warner, who was a linebacker for the 49ers, who if you've never watched him play, I know it's not like fun and sexy to talk about like linebackers play, but dude, that, that dude is an absolute animal. He's a, he's one of the best football players in the league, I would say even he's just, he's so fun to watch. He's sideline to sideline. He flies all over the field. He makes tackles. And I think that, you know, I watching him, I was like, that could, you know, I don't think he has, Willie Gay has the instincts quite yet um, that Warner has, but man, the athleticism seems to be there and seems to be similar. And if, if Willie Gay could be any, even remotely near what Fred Warner is, I think that the Chiefs would have an absolute stud at linebacker, and that's that's obviously what you hope to see develop into him with the more reps that he gets at the linebacker linebacker position. So hopefully, you know, we'll continue to watch here and and see kind of what happens, and hopefully in these next two games, even that they they give him a little bit more run and more run, you know, against the Broncos and, and the Jets and stuff. So obviously, something to keep an eye on, something to keep watching. Um, last night. Another thing in the secondary, just we'll touch on quick. It seemed to be pretty cemented that it's it's back to Trevarius Ward and Bashad Breland on the outside with Rashad Fenton playing in the slot. Now Fenton had been playing pretty well on the outside, but I think that um, they they knew kind of once 
Breland and, and Ward were healthy. And I still don't think, like you had mentioned, they're they're all the way there yet. I think Breland, he even tweeted out that he's still trying to get his legs right. You know, obviously this is only his second game back. And with no preseason, no OTAs and stuff like that, it's going to be a little bit of time. But I think it's pretty much cemented in place that the, these are the guys that they want out there for right now. So it'll also be interesting to see when Legereus Sneed comes back, who was playing absolute lights out. Um, as his rookie, you know, in his rookie year for the first few games before his injury, where he kind of fits into the secondary. Um, but it looked like those two guys are kind of the, the, the guys they want moving forward on the outside right now. No, I absolutely agree. And I mean, after last season, I think it would be hard to put anyone else out there, rookie or not. Fenton did a very, very above average job of filling in. I think he's back more now in kind of that slot role kind of, you know, where we where I kind of envisioned him in the Kendall Fuller role as from last season. So I think that that's a more comfortable place for him to play, even though he did do a good job on the outside. When Steed comes back, these guys are going to be hard because if one of them is struggling, they're just going to be able to plug him in and say, all right, let's go. And it's going to create a lot of problems for teams, I think. You know, Breland played a lot of reps for only being two games back. Now, he's been practicing with the team and stuff, but that game speed's so much more different. So I think that he's maybe got one to two more weeks before he's back to go. And, you know, as time goes on, as every week continues, Ward's hand is going to get more healthy, and I think that's going to help his game a lot because he's going to be a big jam on the line of scrimmage guy. He's a physical guy, and I think he's doing a lot of – things that are kind of uncharacteristic from what we've seen out of him the last few years. I think teams, I think they were kind of targeting him a little bit because of the hand. Hopefully he's able to get it figured out and get right a rough week last week. You know, he had penalties this week. I think this week versus Denver, this could be a get right game for him. It could be really a get right game for the Chiefs secondary. I think that drew lock really showed some struggles this past week against the Patriots. Um, Denver is kind of a mess right now. So hopefully this week the Chiefs can go out and really take advantage of Drew Locke, who has also looked a little bit banged up and a little bit not like the Denver fans were going to anticipate him looking like this season. Yeah, it was Locke's first game back this past weekend against the Patriots, and they they somehow pulled out the victory, and the Patriots did not look good. Cam did not look good. Um, it's something that when you think of the Broncos, um, I think that the Chiefs are going to be the obvious favorite in, in this game. They really have struggled, I think, in the past few years, even against the Chiefs. And the thing that I'm kind of shocked when I'm looking it up right now is that Overall, the Broncos' defense is actually sixth in the league per DVOA, um, which I like the DVOA because it puts more of it puts it basically takes how you play against the NFL average instead of just looking at box score stuff. So um, it's an advanced metric type thing, but I I think that I was pretty shocked by that. Um, I think Bradley Chubb is obviously a great pass rusher for them, but they're hurting. I mean, they have no Von Miller. Uh, Chris Harris is now on the Chargers. So I was pretty pretty interested to see that. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that defense and what kind of plan that they come up with um, for the Chiefs because Vic, Vic Fangio has been a phenomenal defensive mind in the NFL for many, many years. And now obviously he's on the older side and this is his first shot as a head coach, but he's been a very good defensive coordinator in the NFL for a countless number of years. Um, so I've, I find that very interesting, but I'm kind of going through their schedule here. They uh, held the Titans to 16 points. 
They held the Steelers to 26. Bucks got 28 on them. They let up 28 against the Jets in that crazy Thursday night game. Uh, they just held the Patriots to 12. So it's the. I mean, Chiefs are gonna have to be ready. Obviously, it's a division game. You're gonna have everybody's best shot as the Super Bowl champion coming in. But I think the Chiefs are gonna be able to really get after Drew Locke. The Broncos' offensive line has struggled um, in the past against the Chiefs. If you remember last year, it was just an absolute uh, decimation of of them. And Joe Flacco was predominantly benched after that game. How bad it was, but. Very interesting to see what they will be able to do. And I I, I, I go back to that game plan that everybody's kind of trying to play coverage. And I'm, I'm going to be interested to see if they, after watching the Chiefs being able to run the ball so efficiently, if, that, that, if that's what the Broncos are going to come out and want to try to do or if they're going to kind of try to throw something different at the Kansas City offense. You know, and it's going to be an interesting week in Denver because their season is – hinging on being closed out as far as a playoff spot goes. So I bet you they're going to come out fired up and ready to go, but they have a couple of rookie offensive linemen, their center. And I believe, no, no, they have one rookie offensive lineman. They're a center. And then they have a couple of decent guards in Dalton Reisner, Graham Glasgow, but uh, Garrett Bowles, their left tackle. He has struggled, struggled, struggled bad with Frank Clark in the past. And, their entire defensive line has struggled or offensive line has struggled against Chris Jones. So I think if they're going to want any shot to try to beat the Chiefs, I think that they're going to have to come out and try to establish the ground attack with Philip Lindsay. I don't know what the deal with Melvin Gordon is, though, because he got a DUI. So unsure about what the deal with that is, if we'll see him or not. But I think the, that's going to be the Broncos' best attack because Drew Locke didn't look good last week. He's coming off of a shoulder injury. And even when he was playing, I don't think he's really looked what I believe people were expecting him to do this season, especially not folks in Denver. So I think they're going to have try to come out and attack the run. I think this could be a week where we see Willie Gay get more run just because of that. You know, the Broncos have some weapons in the passing game. But if Drew Locke isn't given the time to be able to get a hold of those guys, it's going to be not worth a whole lot. And you know the city of Denver is probably already nervous because they have a young quarterback and he's already having shoulder injuries, shoulder issues. And, you know, they got a big win versus the Patriots last week. They looked good on defense. They held all them. But like you say, the Chiefs offense is a different animal. And with Le'Veon Bell coming in, I think there's going to be a lot of sleepless nights this week amongst the Denver defensive staff. Oh, I'm sure that there's going to be. Um, and I'm looking at Drew Locke's numbers last week, and I did not realize how bad they were. He was he was 10 for 24 for 189 yards and two interceptions against the Broncos, and they still somehow won that football game. That is that is remarkable. <laughs> I don't, that's crazy to me. Um, he, he hasn't yeah, looked so good, man. I, no, that's that's the that's really bad. That's like. That's as bad as you can get almost. That is surprising that you win a game with your quarterback completing 10 passes. That's some old that's some old Tim Tebow stuff right there. That <laughs> um, is. They, uh, oh, go yeah, ahead. they're going to I was going to say they're just, they're like you said, they're going to they're going to rely on the run game, I would think. Um so it could be another another game for your boy Mike Pinnell, too, up inside being a beast and then, you know, obviously Chris Jones 
being what he is and making the plays that he has made over the past few weeks, he, he, it'll be a big game for him on the, along the interior. Uh, Philip Lindsay did have 23 carries for 101 yards against the Patriots. So I think, and the thing that's confused me is I think that Lindsay's better than Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is like a career under four yards per carry running back. Like his whole production is based off of getting a ton of volume and getting goal line work. So people think that he's better than he is. He's not very good. So it would, I would almost think it benefits Kansas City to have Melvin Gordon in there because I don't think he's better than Philip Lindsay. I really don't. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't, it didn't seem like the NFL or anybody's really looking to punish him, which is kind of surprising with it being a DUI. But um, yeah, I think the Chiefs, Chiefs, should be able to get after the Broncos, confuse Locke, stop the run, force him to make throws. And the other thing is sometimes the best offense for the Chiefs is just go out there and, and get a big lead and, and force these teams to play from behind. I'm a, I'm incredibly curious to see what Vic Vangio does with his defense because the Broncos' defensive line is nowhere near as strong as it's been in the past. They've given up a little bit. They're not as good up there, and their linebackers really aren't as good either. To me, it's going to be interesting to see. Are they going to allow Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to just gash them, play in and play out in the pursuit of not letting Mahomes throw the deep ball and not letting the Chiefs kill them down the field? And, you know, it's like what we said, and we finally got to see it. You want to, do they want the slow death or do they want the quick death? Because now Le'Veon Bell is in the equation. So guess what? When Clyde Edwards says Hilaire comes out and has to get spelled for a play, now you're going to have Le'Veon Bell in the game. And also last night we saw a couple of split back formations. We saw some stuff like that. And we saw even like a couple of full house type deals that Daryl Williams scored on. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Chiefs are going to want to play all that. It's going to be interesting to see how they work in Bell. And if I'm Vic Fangio, I really I really might not have any answers because, you know, they had a formula and now the Chiefs just run ran the ball 46 times for like 250 yards and they just completely made a mockery of the Bills' defense. So there's going to be some tough decisions to be made in Denver this week. Um, one thing I do like, though, is that Patrick Mahomes has put together some absolutely incredible performances versus the Broncos in the past, even though we have seen him have that scary injury last year. That was kind of a turning point for the Chiefs defense also, so hopefully the Chiefs can keep the streak alive. It's going to be a tough game. I don't know if Denver's allowing any people into their stadium or not. I think they might be letting a few thousand people in. But overall, the Chiefs should come out victorious. This should be a win that puts the Chiefs to 6-1 and one on the season. Yes, it certainly should be, and that would be, you know, obviously you look at going down the stretch here for the Chiefs schedule. Um, just keep keep winning these games and kind of see where what happens at the end. The Titans are obviously undefeated steal. Still, the Steelers are good. They've already beaten the Ravens. So that undefeated, that, the AFC is very tough. I don't I don't think that the NFC is nearly as, as competitive as the AFC. You know, if you want to look down to the road towards the playoffs and towards um, things of that nature. Uh, but I, you got to keep winning these games that you're supposed to win to, to be able to potentially get that the only first you know round by that there is this year because the seven teams making the playoffs and only one team getting to buy so you got to win these games that you're supposed to and then you know take care of business and a few games that are you know what 
if you call them 50 fifties or whatever, like that Ravens game was. So they've already got a leg up on that situation. So keep winning the games like you you're supposed to, and they'll be in fine shape. But uh, Caleb, why don't we uh, get out of here? Uh, Chiefs are five and one. Tell, tell everybody what you're going to be working on, where they can find you. All right, y'all, as always, you can find me on Twitter at CJ Scoobs. Also go check out my uh, chief's take Twitter page and the other podcasts that I run over there. Um, this week, I have a lot going on in school, so I'm not going to be able to get out the three articles that I've been pumping the last few weeks. This week, I'm going to focus just primarily on the Chiefs offensive line and run game and how dominant they were. And then at the end of the week, I am going to write about Patrick Mahomes and the GMKC because he has been incredibly efficient this week. And I thought this was, you know, it was one of the more underrated football games I think that we've seen him play. So I'll have try to have those up for you guys. They might be a little bit later, and it might be not quite as much volume because of this week I'm about to have. But I'm going to turn it back over to Justin. He's going to let you all know about the great stuff he's been working on. Absolutely, dude. And just as a kind of a point of reference and something to think about, if you're somebody that just likes to look at like box scores and kind of give analysis off that, last night Pat Mahomes had a worse QBR than Josh Allen. So just take that for what it's worth. If you're not watching the games and actually seeing like what these players are doing, um, just be very careful about looking at stats and, and stuff. Because if anybody watched that game last night and thought that Josh Allen played better than Patrick Mahomes, well, then I, I really don't know what I can do for you. But um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter as always, jdiz1617. Uh, I'm going to be Power Rankings Digest. is going to be coming out tomorrow with the new Power Rankings for the NFL this week. Obviously going to be lots of, uh, I think, a little bit of movement this week. You know, Packers with a big loss to the Bucks. Um, so things are going to get shaken up, I think, a little bit. But also, you can find uh, me on Twitter, Ballin' Over. I do another podcast over there called Ballin' Over Beers for Borderfield Sports. Go check that out if you're in the sports betting, DFS, or season-long fantasy stuff. So that's a fun one that I do with a couple of my buddies. But find everything that we do over on Arrowhead Live, um, all the articles, all the podcasts. We got everything, Chiefs, that you need. And um, Chiefs Kingdom, we're 5-1. and one. Let's keep it rolling. Thanks for being here. To the Chiefs Kingdom. You guys are world champions once again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!